I'm Haley from Gallifrey Public Radio, a Doctor Who fandom podcast and part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. This is the official GunnaGeek.com show. Here, we're a bunch of geeks talking about geeky things. Each week, we run down the latest news and happenings in the world of geek. These are your hosts for the show, Steven. But what if I'm in the mood for a T-Swift story? Chris. I've heard the X is going to give it to you. And SP. That's how we roll on Gonna Geek on Monday night. We get crazy! Gunna Geek Productions presents the official GunnaGeek.com show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 282 of the GunnaGeek.com show. This is recorded live on Monday, April 8th, 2019. Longtime viewers and listeners of the show, you might be going, wait a second. This doesn't look like Steven John Drew. Well, I am Steven. There was a brain transplant that took place. I swapped my brain with Chris Farrell's body, and he swapped his brain with my body. So I am actually Steven John Drew in Chris Farrell's body. But so as not to confuse you, just call me Chris. Okay, Chris. Perfect. See, NSP's here tonight. He's already adjusted to my new body. So thanks, SP. I appreciate it. You bet, Chris. I mean, I just can't believe that you as Steven are now Chris. So it's kind of, it'll take him some getting used to, but we'll adjust. Hey, they did a real good job. You can't even see the scar where they opened up my brain. I opened up the skull w- to get it. Wait to see how you're received on better podcasting tomorrow night. It's going to be great, man. It's going to be great. And since Chris can't actually be here today in my body, i.e. Steven, we did bring in some backup. The deputy director of SNASA joins us from what secret installation this time, Suncast? I can't tell you that. That's what I was afraid of. That means he's on the moon. I can't tell you that either. Not necessarily. I mean, you're just inferring something. He could really be anywhere. He could actually be right next to you in your home in uh, British Columbia. Or he could be in, I don't know. I, I may uh, not even m- exist in, in a physical form right now. Michigan, maybe. I, uh, New York. The, in the guys from Queen Studio. You never know. So Suncast is the lawnmower man, is what I'm getting, to take a 90s movie. He has uploaded himself <laughs> to the internet and is broadcasting that way. I am. That's second life. It might even be third life at this point in time. Yeah. I mean, did you use the actual Second Life Suncast? It's still going. Is it really? <laughs> yes. Goodness. I, I had no idea. I had no idea. Uh, it, it's kind of like, you know, Wreck-It Ralph. The first one or the second one? Either one. Eh, fair. I have seen about 10 minutes of Wreck-It Ralph. I own it and I desperately want to see more. I just don't ever have time. You're not really missing much. Oh, really? I heard a lot of great things from it. First one was fun. The second one was just dumb. You're dumb. Do we have some infighting here in SNASA? We can't have that. We have to be United Front. (laughs) Well, excuse me, not we. You guys have to be United Front. I'm not part of SNASA because I'm Canadian. I can't be part of the American NASA. It's not. SNASA's not American. SNAS is universal. It's at least international. There is no nations with SNASA. We're all about just protecting the Earth. We're like the we're like the men in black. I love that reference. I love that movie. You just made my day. All right. So now that we made your day, can we move on to the news? I guess. Let's go on to the news now that my day has been made. Nothing else will compare to Suncast reference right there, just so you guys know. But let's move on to the news. So news this week, we got some doozies for you. And Suncast wants to talk to us about the British Royals. So I'm very confused and intrigued all at the same time. Are you talking about Meghan Markle or are you talking about her rival and sister-in-law? I thought we were talking about Meghan Markle's husband. 
Not not her TV husband. It's not Patrick J. Adams from Suits, her TV husband. <laughs> We're talking about her real life husband. The one that's actually royal. The one that is actually royal, has royal blood. Yeah, so everybody knows that Fortnite is this hugely popular game, right? Well, apparently the other day at an event at a YMCA in West London, Prince Harry attacked Fortnite, causing a whole uproar. Of Fortnite, he said, that game shouldn't be allowed. Where is the benefit of having it in your household? It's created to addict, an addiction to keep you in front of a computer for as long as possible. It's so irresponsible. It's like waiting for the damage to be done and kids turning up to your doorsteps and families being broken down. He also added that he was very upset about social media being addictive. So here we have Prince Harry uh, basically attacking one of the most popular games of this generation, I would say. What do you guys think about this? Do you think that he's maybe right about it being too addicting or is he just blubbering? Well, first of all, most digital things are addicting, so he's got a point there, but he might be, I don't know, 40 years too late there. And second of all, maybe he's just trying to take the heat off of the um, conflict between his wife and the rest of the royals, specifically Kate Middleton, because I've seen a lot of back and forth in the press these days, so it could be that. Okay, so there is that. He is sort of right to begin with and then takes it to an extreme, much like we see on other things where people like to blame video games for all violent crime and things like that. Well, let's not go down that path because that's not the purpose of this discussion. But more of what he's right about is these games are designed to addict. All games are designed to addict, but especially mobile games and stuff like that. They encourage microtransactions and things like that. Now, where Fortnite isn't really shading what they do, it's you buy a battle pass and you unlock stuff once every, what, six, eight weeks is a season or something like that. So it's not really terrible what they're doing in that regard. But to blame Fortnite for being, it's breaking up families and stuff like that. Come on, you can set down the cell phone or whatever your gaming device is. It's not a problem. I played games all through my childhood. My mom would come big. Okay, turn off the Nintendo. Time to do this. Okay, mom, whatever you say. It's called be a parent your children or talk to your folks sp's playing PUBG right now i can see it right now but it's okay now <laughs> there are actual problems that people have talked about on this but they can be overcome like i was reading articles in like usa today and stuff like that where people were talking about we have problems in our middle school everyone's playing PUBG in the middle of class it was a simple solution if you take your cell phone out i confiscate it until the end of the day you're not playing PUBG in class anymore so it's just a typical overreaction taken to an extreme is how i look at it I would agree with that. I, I think part of the problem that I have with his anger is that he's directing it at Fortnite when it's video games in general that he should be taking an issue with. Not just Fortnite, because as, as far as I see it, there are worse games out there than Fortnite. Namely, like something like a Call of Duty where people are spending literally hours a day just playing this one video game, whereas Fortnite is something that... Kids enjoy playing. It's not something that they're going to spend, you know, six hours a day playing. You know, they might. I mean, the bigger problem, and we've touched on this show before, isn't necessarily these games like this. It's the freemium games where it's, oh, you can play this game and you'll unlock certain amounts of stuff every 12 hours, or you can give us $20 and we'll give you 40 in-game credits that you can cash in for stuff. That's yeah. the bigger thing. That's the thing that I would argue is more predatory towards people because it kind of, it kind of gives you that little push to be like, hey, you spend lots of money, you can advance a lot quicker in these games. They basically become pay-to-win games. There's a couple games I play on my tablet where I have not put any real money into it, and I've gotten fairly far, but there are people that talk about each week they drop $100 of money into this freemium game. And I'm like, well, no wonder you're like double my level cap and have all this awesome stuff. You've spent at this point in time almost a grand on this Star Trek game. I mean, good for you if that's what you want to do. If you enjoy it and you see value in it, that's great. But you also need to control yourself on it. These are the same folks like, well, I guess it's ramen this week. I spent all my money on Star Trek coins. And I'm like, why? Why? This game's just going to shut down in three years. It's not like you're going to have this progress forever. I wish I had $100 per week to waste on video games. Well, I mean, this guy, the guy I'm specifically talking about is now eating ramen for all of his meals and drinking uh, Vladimir vodka as his alcohol of choice now, because that's all he could afford because he spent the rest on Star Trek credits, which, Hey, if that's how you want to live your life, that's great. But don't start complaining when you have no money for anything. I am not virtualizing that guy. 
No. Hey, SP, did you win yet? Winner, winner, chicken dinner there? Oh, well, I'm sorry. I, I was I was on our Discord server. Yeah, that's what On I'm... our Discord server. Where can you find that, SP? You can find that at goodygeek.com slash Discord. And mm. it's so addicting. It's hard to put the phone down and just, oh, geez. Yeah, guess what? Put the equipment down and get your butt outside. Mow your lawn. Go for a hike. Go see something. Go to a convention. Go to a movie even. Even just getting out and doing that is better off than sitting at your home and streaming stuff on your couch. Go out, experience life. Go out and have fun with your friends. John, you actually go out and you play Pokemon with a group, right? Yeah, almost every weekend. Yeah, it's it's a social thing. Yes, you're using your phones, but you're going out and you're actually enjoying life outside your home and outside your digital devices. You're just using them as an aid. That's what they should be about. So I'm all with Prince Harry here. I think it's just kind of blown out of proportion because he's just going on a rant because I don't know why. Probably because he's trying to take some heat off his wife, but I don't know. And for the record, I don't care what Meghan Markle and Prince Harry do. They're whatever i mean it's just fun having royals around even if one was an actor that played a royal before she became one on the hallmark holiday channel i thought that's where we were going yeah i I was hoping it was a reference to suits and i was like (laughs) well no she wasn't a royal in suits i don't know where sp's going with this no she actually played when you know one of those women that meet the prince charming stuff that was on a hallmark channel movie yeah she that Mm -hmm. was her and then she did the real thing. So that's actually, it's kind of cool. That's a movie in itself. Somebody should make that movie. And real quick before we transition off this, if Prince Harry really wants to stop this, we do know that the Brits have very fine control over what they do with their internet. In fact, they are now blocking porn sites for anyone under the age of 18 in the UK somehow. So just block the Fortnite servers. Problem solved. There you go. <laughs> I'm sure this will work great. <laughs> then you will have a revolution. We know how well that turns out. It's not like anyone has never heard of a VPN or anything. <sighs> I've heard of one. I've actually never used one. <laughs> it's how I get my Fortnite in since I can't access it here because someone blocked it on my router in my note. No, I kid. <laughs> but let's talk about networking hardware as our next story here. I don't think we talked about it on this show. Maybe is it an extra extra, but I don't recall correctly. But a few months back... Amazon acquired the mesh Wi-Fi slash router company, Eero. Do you, are you guys familiar with this? The company? I am. Yes. So for those that aren't aware, Eero was one of the pioneers out there when it came to mesh networking in people's homes, making it so that if you have a larger house, you can easily get internet with decent signal all across your home. And a few months back, Amazon purchased them. And there was a lot of consternation because everyone said, oh, this is Amazon's play to further integrate your Amazon voice services devices, I'll try not to say the word, into Wi-Fi routers and make it easier for Amazon to data mine me and all these other things. Now, the uh, the uh, CEO of Eero at that point in time and the person at Amazon who had taken over the Eero project had said, we never have any intent to monetize your data or to data mine to see what you're doing. But there was still a lot of consternation. People were like, man, this company's just selling out for big money. It doesn't seem like that was the case we found out. Mashable had a report that determined Amazon paid just $97 million for Eero. That's a lot less money than it even raised as a startup. As a startup, it raised $148 million. So Amazon bought it for a lot cheaper than they raised money for. Why'd this happen? Well, the argument is there might be a bit of business trouble here. If you sell for that much lower, oftentimes it's thought, ooh, the business is in trouble. So Amazon may have actually saved Eero from folding and then leaving people with hardware that's no longer supported. Because if the company folds, there's no more firmware updates, there's no more security updates, nothing like that. So if it was truly a fire sale, there are some some things to consider. Uh, Mashable's report detailed some of them saying how Eero's executives, they made out like bandits, of course, making multi-million dollars off their golden parachutes, while the rank and file employees are sitting on worthless stock auctions, options rather, stocks they purchased for $3 are now worth about three cents each. So if you're someone who is working in a startup and things like that, and you're offered stock, that's one of the risks right there. If the company folds, your stock probably not worth very much. Now, here's where we get into some deep speculation territory. If Eero is truly in danger and Amazon bailed them out, it kind of begs the question of 
what is Amazon going to do with them now? If they're in financial trouble and the company's floundering, it arguably would mean Amazon might need to become a bit more involved to try and save it. But the converse of it could be if the company continues to flounder, Amazon could look at it and say, yeah, we're not going to throw more money down the drain on this and just close the whole project. Now, we've seen Amazon purchase other smart home providers. Remember, they bought Ring, what, a year ago, nine months ago, something like that, which is the doorbell company and stick up cameras and lights and things like that. They're just now getting to the point where they're starting to integrate like Amazon voice services directly with that versus being able to connect them. So we're probably months away, six to 12 months away from Amazon's first hack at Eero combined with Amazon voice services. And if that doesn't go well, might be the end of the company. So twofold question, when they're able to combine Amazon voice services with mesh routers, do you think it's going to work? And if it doesn't, what happens to the company? I think it will. I think we'll work on a lot of different levels. I mean, you're talking about an integrated smart home right now, and you don't have to have all the pieces. You can have just one piece. You don't have to have the whole thing. But one thing you most certainly have to have is some sort of wireless internet that connects your whole house. So if they can combine this internet of things with a mesh network, which is a hot way to go right now, why not? I see this as coming out strong in their products, which will probably be released. I'm just guessing in the August to October timeframe, you know, in time for the Christmas holiday buying season. So I think there's stuff in the future. And if it doesn't work, like they send up a couple of trials, it just doesn't work. It, then it'll fold and it'll be an experiment to them and they can move on. Yeah. Amazon's got money to flush if it doesn't work as I look at. So John, what's your take on this? I, I agree mostly with SP. Um, Arrow's a pretty cool company. I like their technology that they have for their wireless routers. I think it's it's better than some of the other mesh networking routers that we see out there. If I remember correctly, what set them apart for me was that they had, I believe, a um, dedicated backhaul channel for the wireless mesh, mesh working type of stuff. So I believe you're I correct. I think that's what set them apart for me. And if they can integrate that to some of their products, and, and they were pretty smart about what they were doing with their router. So it was pretty cool to see that Amazon acquired this company. And I think they could actually make pretty good use of the technology that they have with the existing Amazon products. I think it's a smart move by them as well, because honestly, the same places you're going to be putting a mesh router are probably the same places you want to put an Amazon device that triggers Amazon voice services. So combine two devices in the one and see what happens. I don't have a problem with it. I think it'll be interesting to see where they go with this. When Eero first hit the market, they were one of the first to do consumer grade mesh, inter mesh internet. And now there's a ton of other companies out there. So there is a lot of competition. Mm -hmm. So the point of differentiation they could have is, hey, we have Amazon built right into it. I think the privacy concerns that people were throwing up is vastly overblown because let's be honest, if you already have an Amazon voice services device in your house, they could already data mine the heck out of that if they wanted to. I don't think they do. In fact, I think their privacy policy says that they don't. But the potential is already there. And hey, we all carry these in our pockets for the most part. Cell phones. Mine's upside down as I held it up. Oops. But <laughs> they could do the same thing. Voice assistants there. They could theoretically see everything that you send back and forth, be able to data mine the heck out of you. So I think it's overblown. I think it's an interesting move by Amazon and I'm really surprised by the fact that it seems like they were bailing out Eero versus acquiring them. So this could just be really serendipitous for Amazon. That's, hey, we got a good deal on this and we might be able to make something great happen. I think they might also be trying to compete with Google Home a little bit. Yes, Google has a bit of an advantage there. And there is a leaked document showing like a Google Wi-Fi combined uh, Google voice, Google Assistant voice services thing that would be out there at some point in time, too. So that Google Home does not have a dedicated backhaul channel. You are correct. That was part of the reason why my Google Wi-Fi experiment failed. Yeah, I would not be interested in a Google Home simply because of that. I'm like, for as much stuff as I do, I want that dedicated backhaul channel. Well, so I have installed a SmartThings hub, just to backtrack just a little bit, a little while ago. And one of the things that I did is I installed some smart switches that were compatible with it with the Zigbee and all those smart switches are repeaters. So if you have any device that ends up being a repeater, you know, you can put, we've seen them put speakers in these ridiculous things 
and enable them to basically be a, a little smart hub. So I, I just see it happening. It's just a, a natural evolution. So for Amazon to get Euro and even experiment with this, I think they're going to be ahead of the game eventually. So you, you know that big mouth bass thing that talks? I think it's yeah. uh, Billy or whatever it's called. Yeah, the fish, Billy okay. the fish. Can we just make that into a router? Somebody did. <laughs> well, somebody made it into a smart speaker, and I think it's a smart speaker. Yes, but I want, it, I want, I want it to be a full blown router. That would be cool. That'd be cool. I could be fun. I mean, it'd, it'd be nice and decorative. Okay, that's my router. What are those <laughs> things coming out of it? You have cables plugged. Why do you have cables plugged to it? I'm, but then again, if it's wireless, I mean, it'd be kind of right. cool. Well, they did make an Amazon Voice Services Big Mouth Billy Bass, so there's absolutely no reason why they can't make a mesh one, and I'm totally about it. Make it happen, because Big Mouth Billy Bass is one of my favorite things from the late 90s, <laughs> early 2000s. But you know what else is one of my favorite things from that time period? My good friend Tom and MySpace. And SP, you've got some MySpace news, don't you? I do. I know I never really had a MySpace page. Neither did I. I know a lot of people did. And one of the things that people kept on there were music and like bands or people just had their, it was before SoundCloud, I think. And it was just a, a sharing platform, right? Well, they had that little data issue a few months back or a few weeks back that they disclosed from a few months back that they basically lost most everything from what, 2003 to 2015, something like that. Well, some of it is recovered, and this is the story of that. And I found this on gizmodo.com. It's a story by Victoria Song. The It's Song. That's actually her name, Victoria Song. And the article's title was Thousands of Lost MySpace Songs Have Been Recovered. No thanks to MySpace. <laughs> so last year, abort server migration resulted in MySpace losing all of the music uploaded to the website between 2003 and 2015, a loss estimated at more than 50 million tracks from 14 million artists. But now, a small fraction has been recovered thanks to an anonymous group of academics and uploaded to the Internet Archive. The Internet Archive says it received four. 190,000 mp3 files originally hosted on myspace from an quote anonymous academic study conducted between 2008 and 2010 unquote the group was purportedly studying music networks at the time and grabbed 1.3 terabytes of music from myspace then contacted usd the internet archive once it heard about the loss the collection has since been dubbed the myspace dragon horde and it is from 2008 to 2010. This impressive collection is only a mere fraction of the total number of songs lost. If we're being totally honest, their recovery is also apparently the result of dumb luck. <laughs> MySpace had nothing to do with it, and if not for the kindness of some anonymous academics and a nonprofit group dedicated to preserving internet history, these tracks would still be lost. And just a reminder, if you're a creator, don't rely on the cloud to save your art make backups this is something we talk about on better podcasting all the time by the way make backups so that is the essence of the article by victoria's song so you never had a myspace page chris suncast did you have a myspace page i did i couldn't tell you what my top eight was though okay it was all about snasa did you go on myspace to look at songs or listen to music no, you know what? The, the whole music stuff, I think, kind of came later in MySpace's, you know, evolution and stuff. I was on their way before music really was a popular thing and Justin Timberlake bought it and whatnot. So I was never really into MySpace for the music stuff. It was more of the social stuff. It was the precursor to Facebook. That's what I had of the day. I didn't have a Facebook. I had a MySpace. Did you play Pokemon on it? No. Why aren't you playing Pokemon Go on MySpace? Because Pokemon Go does not exist on MySpace. Well, I think you've made your market. You could be a millionaire. <laughs> Go back to MySpace, play Pokemon Go. You know, there was one story about an artist in this article that had lost his songs because he didn't keep backups or whatever. It was just on MySpace. And this Internet Archive pulled one song that was his and 
he was very grateful because it would have been lost forever. So, yeah, back up your stuff. And this is just a cautionary tale to you, listener. If you happen to save anything to the cloud, to the internet, say like your podcast, for example, you might want to back that up because you never know when that's going to be lost. Don't understand how they lost all that data. Like, well, that's a story we covered before, but I know it, but it's just, it's, it's mind boggling how they just screwed that up. It is, but this could happen to any company on the decline. It could happen to Facebook. Eventually it could happen to Amazon. It could happen to Google. You know, it, you just don't know. Yes, we're all paying for storage somewhere, or maybe you're using a bunch of free sites, whatever, but you're, you, odds are you're using some sort of cloud storage for your stuff and it's going to go away eventually. You're not wrong. I mean, that's why there's always been the principle of threes when it comes to backup. You want to have a local backup, an offsite backup, and potentially a cloud backup. And by offsite, I don't mean you upload to a different cloud. It would be you take a hard drive and put it in your safety deposit box or something like that. That's that like, could go ahead. Sorry. That could back, uh, that could backfire on you too, because what you've got going on, like for instance, me, there are some high school stuff that I have that's on five and a half or five and a quarter floppies. I, yes, I could go through a data retrieval process to get them back, but you know, those papers that I wrote, those poems, you know, in my very creative period, they're, they're gone forever. I'm not going to go through the process of getting those back. So if you stick something like a hard drive in a safety deposit box for 10 years, I don't know, A, if the data is still going to be good on it, and B, if you're going to be able to access it. That's why you do it in rounds of three, is how it's always been that way. It would be very unlikely all three things fail. If it does, you're incredibly unlucky, and you should not come close to me because you'll fry my computer with your poor luck. That's what I'm going with. Okay. I don't know. I got nothing there. I, I don't have a great segue there. There's no way to segue out of it. It's just bad if you lose your data. That's what it comes down to. So protect your data. You don't want things crashing on you. You know who else, you know who else would not want to lose their data? Captain Picard. Marvel. I see what you did there. I see what you did there. So Suncast, in our extra extra... You've got some news about, you know, Marvel's internet issues that they've been causing folks. I wouldn't necessarily say that it was Marvel's issue. It was more a supply and demand type of thing. So pre-sales for Avengers Endgame came out uh, or started not too long ago, I believe, uh, this previous week. And it was pretty much a runaway success just in pre-sale numbers. And that caused a lot of issues for companies such as... uh, Cineplex and AMC, which do online sales for movies. And they said that a lot of their websites were crashing or had virtual lines of more than an hour long and just a host of other problems. So according to Adam, which I'm not exactly sure if that's a UK company, Adam told Deadline it sold three times as many tickets in the first hour of pre-sales as it did for Avengers Infinity War over the same time frame last year. Pre-orders also outstripped first hour sales for star wars the last jedi so this is pretty interesting the fact that there's just already this much demand for an end game they have predicted that domestically it'll take around 820 to 850 million dollars opening weekend opening weekend that is what i saw i was channel surfing tonight <laughs> and i stopped on extra because i saw a clip of avengers and they were showing that and then they said at the end of it on extra they're projecting 820 to 850 million opening weekend domestic domestic i don't believe it i think their numbers are wrong but this was not reported by me it was reported by extra because i looked at my fiance and went hot damn that's a lot of money when they said that (laughs) i mean needless to say this is this is the movie of the year right now it'll at least be the movie of the year when it comes to money and hype associated behind it. Okay, so biggest box office opening weekends. Avengers Infinity War, $257 million. I'm starting to think the host misspoke, and that's what they're projecting domestically. But even that would seem low for a domestic full run of that movie. I mean, I think it's going to hit a bill. 
or close to it. It'll hit a billion within, t- if if not through two weeks, three weeks. That, that'll be oh, that's an yeah. easy call. But okay, so ticket sales. Okay, so you got to play this out. This is all on adjusted ticket sales, and ticket sales go up at different places across the country. You know, in terms of price, you know, it might be eleven dollars one year, and next year it's twelve fifty or something like that. So that you got to factor that in. You got to factor inflation, whatever. But they don't with this. They just want to go with the bigger number. So there's going to be some inflation. At least as many people are going to see Infinity War as will you mean Endgame. See Endgame. Yeah, at least as many people are going to see Endgame as Infinity War. So you've got 257 right there. And then you've got all the buildup of everything, plus the hints that they've given that this is the last movie for a lot of the characters. Maybe Iron Man, maybe Captain America. You don't know who's not going to make it any further than this. This is the 24th movie in the MCU. This has been unprecedented. I mean, you might say Harry Potter was good with, what, nine movies? Now 11 with the two later ones, but nine movies? This is 24 over 10 years. This this outstrips even 007. I mean, this is phenomenal. This definitely outstrips Star Wars. I I hate to say it. They've got, what, nine movies plus a solo movie, right? This is just huge. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it got 275. I'll just go with that one. 275 domestic and then probably 850 worldwide. Yeah, maybe that's what they meant, but I'm pretty sure they said domestic and I went, whoa, that's crazy. The better question I have for you guys, I have a friend who waited in digital line to buy tickets when they were announced for four hours. We got home from work. My fiance is like, I want to go see this opening night. She bought tickets Thursday at 6 p.m. in five minutes. Did you guys get early tickets and did you have problems trying to get them if you did? I haven't bought anything yet. I don't know if I got the first showing or not. It might have been sold out by the time I bought, but I did buy for Thursday night, the 25th of April, which is opening night, quote unquote, opening night. And I got a show time for 6.15 p.m. And I'm thinking 6 p.m. might have been the first one if there was a first one. That's how it is here. I might have missed that first showing, but I'll be there for the second showing at 6.15. So what you guys are saying is that anybody that's doing a movie draft, this needs to be in almost every single theater that you're running in your movie draft. Yes, exactly. Because it will make all of the money. And there was the idiots on the internet that were banking on that. As ticket sales became hard to get because of crashes, people started selling their in-game pre-sales on eBay for like <laughs> ridiculous amounts. There was one that was up like 15 grand. And I have to imagine, oh, God. I have to imagine this was like a spammed spoof fake thing or something like that. But evidently it hit 15 grand before it was pulled or something like that. So if you have Avengers tickets and you want to sell them, don't be an idiot. Just sell them for whatever it was and go see it. I don't I do know that have, I want to go on opening day, though, because it's just it's it's going to be so many people. Well, that's the beauty of watching the movie on opening day. I agree with you. Matter of fact, I was going to bring this up. The only reason I bought tickets on opening day is because Chris and I record another podcast on Thursday night called Starling Tri- Tribune on the CW show Arrow. And Chris said, nah, sorry, guys, I can't be there because his fiance scored tickets. I'm like, <sighs> Might as well get tickets then. So I got I, that's the only reason I'm watching it is I'm usually podcasting that night. But if Chris wasn't going to be there, I'm like, I might as well. Hey, it, it's not like my soon to be wife really had to twist my arm to be like, we're going to go see this. I was like, OK, if you want to see it, let's do it. I, I was super excited for it. We'll see what happens. I do enjoy the Thursday night premieres just because it's a bunch of like minded folks in the theater. And it's great. Like. One of my, some of my favorite memories are going to movies like opening weekend or opening day and like universal crowd, like (gasps) shocked moments and things like that and being able to share it and people geeking out when the credits play or in the case of infinity war, people like, Oh my God, I can't believe they did that when the credits play. I just like (laughs) the shared experience. Yeah. Just leaving the theater for infinity war, just leaving the theater, just completely silent, not saying anything that was impactful. Uh, And it happened to many, many, many theaters and I'm, I'm not spoiling anything. And then the opening credits and the the beginning scenes of Captain Marvel. I mean, that was that was very touching and phenomenal. And I, I'm glad I was able to see that and not get spoiled on it because I probably would have gotten spoiled on what it was. 
But if you haven't seen Captain Marvel yet, if you're a Marvel fan and you might have an issue with Captain Marvel itself, I mean, I know people have issues with different characters. Just go see the movie. If you're a Marvel fan, go see the movie because the opening credits are going to be for you. That's true. So one last extra, extra story before we wrap this up. Steven did share this in our group chat today. So in honor of him, despite his not being here, I figured we would share it. We talked about it, I believe, on this show that Microsoft Edge is being replaced with a Chromium-based instance of Edge, which is pretty much the engine that runs Google Chrome right now. Microsoft's been working with Chrome. They've been putting a bunch of bug fixes, enhancements in there to try and make things work better. If you are part of the Windows Insider program, you can download the beta release of Chromium right now, the Chromium-based Edge, rather, and begin playing with it. Bear in mind, it is a beta not fully fleshed out. There are features that are still missing, but you can go play with it and let us know what you think. Supposedly it will be better for battery than you are expecting. Because remember, Chrome is terrible on laptop batteries. So my question for you guys, any interest in playing with the Chromium-based Edge or are you just going to ignore it? As the beta, not really. Once it's stable, sure. I think I think it's got a lot more potential than Edge ever did. Very fair. I would go ahead and tinker with this because I like tinkering with stuff. If I had time, I don't, and I just need a computer that works right now, especially right now with everything going on in my life. So no, I won't be doing this, but I'll be paying attention to those that do and write reviews and stuff like that. That'll be cool. It's like a new microphone that comes out for podcasting for better podcasting. Yeah. I want to see it, touch it and get it. If I can't get a hold of it, I'm going to listen to other samples of it and see if I like it or not, and if it qualifies for something that I should go and get. So it's the same here with the Windows Insider program at Microsoft Chromium-based Edge. I have tried to use Edge at work, I don't at home, but I've tried to use it at work, and it's hit or miss. I mean, I think we're back, guys, remember when we had Firefox and Chrome and Internet Explorer and Safari all going back to back with each other Mm -hmm. just a few years ago what was that four or five years ago or something like that i think we're entering into a new age of that it's entirely possible in regards to my stuff i use edge on my laptop occasionally when i'm in battery constrained issues because chrome is a beast on laptop battery life at times it eats up ram and your battery burns a bit faster edge in its current state is pretty battery friendly and if they can make a chromium based edge battery friendly i'm interested because it means i can import all of my extensions and everything from chrome and run it on their version which is going to be better on my battery now granted in today's world a laptop has like a nine hour battery life in a lot of cases so who cares but if you're in a situation where you just want to sip power and have a little extra time i'm all about that i'll give it a try i'm just not going to do the beta because i don't I'm at a point in my life where I don't really want to be a beta tester on things and have things screw up and be like, oh, damn it, I shouldn't have done that. I just lost 30 minutes of work. I, I don't have the patience for it anymore. You know what? I, I, I fool around with other code for stuff, and it's like, at this point, I have so much time that I'm spending debugging other stuff that I just want something that works, really, when I want to do something that works, you know? When I'm doing work, I want something that actually works, but when I'm actually working on stuff that I have to debug, you know, it, it's like I only have so much frustration that I can give in a day. No, I totally get that. I totally get that. I hit my frustration point at times and I'm just like done. And I don't want to yeah. mess with software and beta because it means I hit that frustration point sooner. And then I want to go drink coffee and just grumble and complain. And nobody wants that. Sure. Are we calling it coffee? Is that where we're calling it? Coffee. Do you want me to call it Kofefe? No, I, you know, I I know what you're making it a euphemism for. It was just coffee, but I, I guess we can consider it a euphemism for other things. <laughs> well, have you not seen the Defenders on Netflix? I have seen the Defenders on Netflix, but I'm so, not catching the reference because I'm dense. So, yeah, so you don't, you had never gone to get coffee? You need to rewatch The Defenders. Let's move on. I evidently need to rewatch The Defenders. So before we move on to our main segment of the night, we do need to give you guys a heads up of some things that are going to be going on in the future. So for the summer, just keep an eye on things. There might be some temporary changes into the format of the show and also the start time for the show is as we're trying to get schedules aligned as 
kids are going on summer and spring breaks and things like that. We'll let you guys know what's going to happen, but there are going to be some scheduling changes coming up. So if you are one of our live viewers that tune in on Geeks.Live, please just stay tuned. We'll let you know what's going to be happening and when you can come check out the show. And please keep hanging out with us live. We love doing this live and we also love you guys who are listening or watching at a later date. Just hang in there with us. We'll get it all figured out. That being said, let's move on to our segment for the week. Sorry, guys, I'm not done talking yet this week. I'm going to keep talking a lot more because I'm going to walk us through this piece of things. So two weeks ago, as we record this, we started a new segment based on the fact that the Fox and Disney acquisition was complete. So we wanted to do some fan slash fantasy casting of Fox characters, specifically Fantastic Four characters, as to who they could be in the MCU. So two weeks ago, we got finished with the Fantastic Four and we got through Doctor Doom as their primary villain. This week, we're going to try and go through a few of the Fantastic Four's big bads and maybe touch on one or two of the X-Men for some opinions of who we think would be interesting character, interesting actors rather, to fill those shoes. And in a lot of cases, they're awfully big shoes that will need to be filled. So let's start things out with some Fantastic Four stuff. First character from the Fantastic Four is Galactus, the Devourer of Worlds. Now, we saw him in the second Fantastic Four movie by Fox. He was a giant cloud, nothing like what he is in the comics. If you've seen the comics, he's a big dude in a blue and purple suit with a giant headpiece that literally eats worlds to survive. He is a giant. So we would assume that in our MCU, probably going to be CGI based or a dude in a mocap suit where you get to see part of his face. So there's a lot of options for who it could be. And I will say when it comes to Galactus, what the cartoons had taught me was I expect like a, a big, a potentially booming or at least remarkable, noteworthy voice. So when I say, hmm, I need a really good voice actor to play this role, I think of none other than the Jedi Master himself, one Mark Hamill. He's a phenomenal voice talent. We know he's done the Hobgoblin. He's iconic as the Joker. He's Jedi Master Luke Skywalker. I think it'd be really interesting to get Mark Hamill pulled into the MCU, use his voice for this. And remember, this is Galactus, a cosmic character, one that James Gunn probably wants to play with. And James Gunn did have coffee with Mark Hamill about a year ago, talking about how to bring him into the MCU. So I'm totally in if Mark Hamill wants to be Galactus. It's interesting that you bring up that coffee story because they literally bumped into each other having coffee because they live on the same street. So yes. I, I remember that story. I, one thing I'll say about Mark Hamill, if they end up using not the voice, but his, his actual body, I don't have an issue with his body type or anything. I just, the way he acts, I don't know if it's really menacing enough to be Galactus. Okay, that's fair. You're right. His voice is amazing, but I just don't see it. You know, when I've seen him as the trickster, when I've seen him in the latest Star Wars movie, it's just, it doesn't seem like somebody that's menacing. And it's not because I'm thinking he's the little nice Luke Skywalker. It's just because he's not coming off as determined and and I'm going to die around him sort of thing. I mean, yes, uh, mind games, absolutely, but not menacing. That's fair. I, I do have a suggestion then for my second pick. If you want menacing, Brian Cranston, let's go Walter White. If you've seen Breaking Bad, you know Brian Cranston can do menacing. That could be interesting also. Plus, he did Zordon in the last Power Rangers. So he's used to doing voice work and CGI work. Make it happen. Those are my two suggestions. Brian Cranston might be good. Now, I have not seen his, you know, ultimate role that you're talking about uh, with Breaking Bad. But from everything I've seen and heard in, in reviews, he, he, could, he could pull it off. I just don't think he's got the deep, booming enough voice. I mean, he's menacing. I'll grant you that. But the voice is just not there. What do you think about that, Chris? Am, am I off? I don't know. I think he could do it, especially he had to do the booming voice to do Zordon in Power Rangers, and that was enjoyable. So combine that with the menacing Walter White effect. I think it could be interesting, but I'm willing to be proven wrong by some alternative suggestions. So guys, feel free to counter my selections. So I ran into Galactus in the comics recently, and I it was a couple years ago, 
and I didn't know too much about them, but everything that I, I got from Galactus is it's like the ultimate. If you think Thanos is bad, if you're a Marvel Cinematic Universe fan right now and you're looking at Thanos, Galactus is like a thousand times more menacing, bigger, and just able to uh, bend the universe itself. So you got to think somebody like Ego the Planet, except for bigger. And, and I ran into some some names that might qualify, might not, but these are, are the names. And uh, I'll go from least to most, dear. Basically, I've got four names, and I'm just going to name them off. So the the last name is the one that I really would want to see as Galactus. So the first one I'm going to say is is Bruce Willis. You know, uh, you know Armageddon. Uh, uh, that's all I got to say there. Uh, the, the next one that I'll say is Ed Harris. And yeah, Ed is, he's getting older. He's not buff or anything, but he's definitely got the menacing and the voice for it. The next one that I'll say is kind of in the same boat, but I, I can buy Peter Weller. Ooh. Yeah. See, now we're getting into the really Robo-cop. good stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> And he's done stuff recently where you're like, oh my God, you, you, he'll go into a room and you're like, I'm scared to be in this room. I, you, go away. I don't, I, why are you even on this planet? And the last one that I'll say, which I think would be a little bit ironic, but Liam Neeson. Interesting. I like Weller more. Okay. Yeah, I, I agree. I think part of my problem is that Neeson is a little bit overdone these days, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, uh, I will find you, I will kill you, that sort of thing. Yeah, Peter yeah. Weller is a little bit more menacing where he doesn't have to say he's doing that stuff. You just know he's doing that stuff. Mm-hmm. And he's got good guy and bad guy credits, as Liam Neeson does, too. And he but... can swing back and forth between the two of them. Yeah. Suncast, what do you got for us? I'm sure you've got something crazy because well, some behind the scenes here, guys. Suncast <laughs> kept his to himself to surprise us with them, so we have no idea what he's going to bring up. And I'm expecting, I'm expecting something interesting. Let's put it that way. <laughs> it's interesting. <laughs> so I, I, I don't, I don't have like a whole list like you guys. So I, I just have like one, maybe two for for each of the cast that we're going for here. So for Galactus, I chose Baby Herman from Who Framed Roger Rabbit. somebody's been playing a little bit too much pokemon go (laughs) i like it it made me laugh that gets i mean come on it's baby or herman he can do menacing he's scary what was that movie that baldwin played the little baby in you guys know what i'm talking about boss baby Yeah, Boss Baby. Yeah, I could see that type of character. And basically, that's the same type of character you're talking about. I I could see that. Not really. Give me my stogie back. Yeah, not really, (laughs) but okay. All right, so Steven's list is here. He had Liam Neeson also, which I thought was entertaining. And he also had Hugh Laurie, which I think could be interesting. I just don't see that one as much as some of the other choices here. But Steven had him, so let's share what he's got there for our entertainment's sake. And of course, he also suggested a tsunami. So what do I know about Steven's choices? <laughs> a tsunami. A tsunami. I think it's a joke about the fact that Galactus was a cloud in his only movie appearance, but I'm not 100% uh. sure. So if you have questions, just uh, tweet at Steven Jonger and just send a tsunami question mark and see if he catches it. Or hashtag tsunami. Or hashtag tsunami. There you go. I like that. So let's move on to our next one. This is Norrin Rad. You might know him better as the Silver Surfer. He was one of Galactus's heralds responsible with trying to find worlds for the devourer of worlds to consume and continue to live. He eventually turns into a good guy, an ally of the Fantastic Four, and helps to fight against Galactus and other cosmic threats. In the movies, he was in Fantastic Four Rise of the Silver Surfer, the second movie. The body the mocap was done by Doug Jones, a phenomenal actor. He's in Star Trek Discovery right now, you know, from Hellboy, various other things. And his voice was done by none other than Morpheus himself, a.k.a. Captain Curtis, a.k.a. Lawrence Fishburne, who also has a super distinctive voice. He does. Super distinctive. So I kicked things off last time. SP, kick us off. Who are you thinking for Silver Surfer? Well, the first one that I thought of was Vin Diesel. 
And while I could see him in the role, and he's already in the MCU, by the way, his voice is anyway, for he plays Groot, for those that don't know. And I think he can get away with saying, I am Groot, we are Groot, and then being the Silver Server. I think that would be completely feasible. Although I think he might be a little too old for the role. Yeah. I mean, just a little, not, not too much. But if you bring in a Silver Surfer and you want him to last possibly 10 years, definitely five years. And I, I don't know if Vin Diesel has that longevity left in him. I mean, the guy's buff. He works out, but I just, at some time your body breaks down. So the next one, and this is really my choice, is LaMonica Garrett, who has played the Monitor in the Arrowverse. So in the latest Arrow crossover or Arrowverse crossover, he was in there. He was also on the last ship. I really like him and I think he could do it really well. So I think my choice, if given one, would be LaMonica Garrett. I like it. I could see it. He's got the look. He's probably got a chrome dome, which is one of the things you need to play a, a silver, a dude that's all silver that rides a surfboard. He's got the body for it, and I think he's at the upper part of the age that you could do it. Yeah, but checking him out, huh? Well, I mean, you, if you're <laughs> casting, you got to think about this sort of stuff, right? Some cast is just jealous he didn't get to sit on the casting couch. That's all. <laughs> So, Suncast, who are you thinking for the Silver Surfer here? All right, so the Silver Surfer, I'm thinking the Roadrunner. <laughs> Jesus. The Roadrunner is sleek and fast. <laughs> I, you, could, you could technically put them in as Silver Surfer, yeah? You know, yeah. I, think, I think his surfboard <laughs> could be an Acme surfboard. Yeah, see, it works. I, I will allow it, I suppose. I will allow it. <laughs> Let's move on to the next one. Chris. Well, I have to give my actors real quick. Uh, I, I, I was half joking when I first saw this one. I didn't have it in the show notes because it just popped in my head. I was, but SP said Vin Diesel. I went, why don't we just get The Rock to do it? Just because of comedy, it'd be entertaining to me. But The Rock is not the right role for that. Honestly, if I was going to recast The Silver Surfer, I would give it to Doug Jones again and this time let him do the voice also. Because I'm assuming it's going to be mocap and CGI and Doug Jones nailed it as The Silver Surfer. Probably, yeah. what, was it 12, 15 years ago when they did this? Doug Jones is just an amazing actor, period. Like he gives it his all. He knows how to he knows how to act and he knows how to get into a character's mindset. Yep. He and Andy Circus are phenomenal like that. Hey, Andy Circus already got his role in the MCU. So let's give Doug Jones one. That's how I look at it. Let's see. Next up on my list here. Oh, I would give Stevens for uh, Silver Surfer, but he said he really has no feedback for it. So yeah. thank thank you, Stephen, for not helping us even yeah. when you're not here. Thanks for no thanks. <laughs> thanks, Stephen. Jeez. Let's go to a final character here. Namor the Submariner. For those that aren't uh, familiar with Namor the Submariner, he's one of the first sort of villains to appear in Fantastic Force within the first five issues. He's the ruler of Atlantis. He's got wings on his feet so he can sort of fly somehow. He runs around in a Speedo and has an unhealthy infatuation with Sue Storm. He is generally portrayed as arguably the first mutant in the uh, Marvel comic book universe. And real quick, uh, Liberty dude in the chat room says Silver Surfer Shaquille O'Neal. I had to bring that up. That, mm. That's interesting. Mm. The Diesel. So I will. Oh, sorry, go ahead. A little bit too old for the role, I think. But yeah, okay. I, I can see it. it I can see him in the role. Though. Super yeah. entertaining. So yeah. let's go into our casting for Namor the Submariner. I, I don't want Suncast to kick us off because his are a good way <laughs> yeah. to wrap these up because yeah. they make me laugh is what I I've agree. learned. Yeah. They make me laugh. So I'll kick <laughs> things off. I had two names down for Namor the Submariner. I'm not sure which one I like more than the other. The first one, uh, Keanu Reeves. I know he's a bit older now. He's what? In his late 40s. But the dude's got... I could see this. The dude's got I, action chops out yeah. the wazoo between the Matrix trilogy, the John Wick trilogy at this point in time. The dude does a lot of his own stunts and by all accounts, he's pretty ripped. So ladies, I imagine you wouldn't mind seeing Kano Reeves in a Speedo on screen. The other thing about Namor is he's got a, a, a slightly evil look to him. In that you, you don't know if he's good or not, basically, and and that he could flip flop between the two. And talking to the ladies on Legends of Shield, they they definitely have attitude. You know, he's got an attitude. So I could definitely see Keanu Reeves because he gets that really concerted look. You know, and and yeah, I 
totally see Keanu. It would be great to have Keanu Reeves in the MCU, by the way. So I, that's another. Totally Supposedly, he turned down an MCU role to go and do John Wick 3. And I'm totally okay with that because the John Wick movies are amazing. And What movie would that have been? Supposedly something in Captain Marvel. I don't know okay. what, Okay, Yeah, that's fine. Th- that means he can be used. You know, it's smart to turn down a period piece because odds are you're not coming back later, so... Unless you're Haley Atwell as Peggy Carter. And one last thing on Keanu as uh, Namor. Namor is pretty aloof and blunt. And if you've seen The Matrix and John Wick, uh, both those characters, Neo and John Wick, both fairly can be aloof and are rather blunt in their opinions. Mm -hmm. So I think it works there. My second pick, uh, Sam Witwer. For those who who aren't familiar with who that is, he was crashed down on the Battlestar Galactica reboot. He was Doomsday in Smallville. He was uh, a brooding vampire in the Being Human U.S. remake, and he's currently one of the villains in this season of Supergirl. The dude just has, like, the right kind of voice for this role. He's probably a bit too small, like, height-wise for what you'd expect for Namor, because the dude's supposed to be, like, a giant in comparison to a lot of folks. But I think he's got the acting chops to do it, and I'd be interested to see his take on the character and what he would do with it. And he was also the secret apprentice in the Star Wars Force Unleashed games, which was an interesting character and kind of different. So Sam Witwer, I think would be a pretty cool pick. I agree. He is not, and he's also on my list by the way, but he is not, um, my first pick, but I could see him in the role. That's fair. SP, who else do you see in the role? You know, I, I had to go with some guys that were buff and some guys that had attitudes. So I went with Tyler, Tyler Hulkin who was Superman in the Supergirl universe, right? And then some guy, just this little guy, he just happens to have an opening in his schedule right now. Stephen Amell. Interesting. I'd be on board with that for sure. Yeah, I could see it. I I definitely see And Now, I don't know if he wants to be typecast in, in a comic book genres forever. I think that's one of his issues that he's had is he's only been into comic book stuff, including his big screen appearances, but I could see him. Another thing that would expand his cred as an actor, by the way, is if he would quickly do a Hallmark movie before he leaves. No, I'm serious. If he did, (laughs) because that would show him in a good light. You know, one of the things that I saw was, um, Brent Ward, who was an absolute, you know, a-hole on agents of shield. He played the, the nicest guy in a Hallmark holiday movie this past December. And it was in my favorite movie. You know, they had 36 new movies or whatever. It was my favorite movie the whole year. And that is saying something. And I you watched all 36 of them. Uh, I think maybe one or two. I haven't, but the rest I did. And you better get it, on that. Well, you know, it's, it's, <laughs> it, I've got so much to watch now. So, and I have a couple of months before they start again. So yeah, I could see Stephen Amell doing it. And I could see, I, I could see all these doing it. So Chris, who did Steven put down? So Steven had two picks, uh, first being Leonardo DiCaprio, which I don't necessarily see myself, but Steven said he has a wide acting profile and quote, plus he totes spent time in the water on screen before. Hey, I'm assuming yeah. that's a Titanic reference. It's definitely a Titanic reference. I don't see Leonardo DiCaprio as Namor. And his other suggestion, and I'm going to quote him again, is Terry Mother Effin Cruz, in his own words. You can't I think that'd be hilarious. I think it would be hilarious, it. too. I think Terry yeah. Cruz could also be an interesting Ben Grimm if we go back to two weeks ago. Yeah, it'd be good. Yeah. So I- I'm scared to ask, but such as, <laughs> who do you see as Prince Namor, the king of Atlantis? Oh, you'd love this one. Foghorn Leghorn. <laughs> But he's owned by Warner Brothers. We can't do it. We'll make it work. <laughs> oh dear Lord! I mean, uh, it's not like Spider Man where they where they're reaching over into another studio to bring a, a a character that was previously Marvel owned in in because Sony can't deal with the character, right? It's not that. It's that it's owned by a completely separate and competing movie theater. Yeah, that would be problematic. Uh, I, I like I like the spirit with which you chose your picks. Uh, in the chat room, Liberty Dude, I believe, had suggested Zachary Quinto 
for uh, Namor, which I think could also be interesting. It would work. Siler or Spock. But see, this, is, this is the thing is that we, we can we can talk about this until we're blue in the face, come up with names and, you know, they're just going to go and do whatever they want. And it could be some guy that we've never, ever heard of before. You're 100 percent right. Let's go look at the MCU casting. There's very few of them like they're going to cast this guy. And I've been right. Well, let's back up a second. Let's go back to last week. I wanted to bring this up. Thank you for giving me the short opening. So I said for my pick for Ben Grimm that I would go for David Harbour. By the way, David Harbour in the week since we recorded was picked up by an MCU movie in the Black Widow verse. So the next movie that's coming out with Black Widow is going to have David Harbour in it. And I cringe only because I think that's going to be a one and done movie and I don't see David Harbour coming back. And he's really a good actor that could be in the MCU for a while, but at least he gets a shot in the MCU. Hey, look, he gets to be Hellboy and a Marvel character. Dude's got it made right now. Only, well, I guess uh, Ron Perlman got to do the same thing, too. He was also Hellboy and a Marvel character. Plus, he's playing the sheriff in Stranger Things. I mean, the dude's got it going on. He is amazing in Stranger Things. That's what I've heard. I have not yet seen it. But I think, guys, that is going to wrap up our fantasy casting effort for this week. We get really in-depth in this. We only got through three names. But we are done with the names I had pulled aside for the Fantastic Four. So probably about two weeks from now, depending, schedule permitting, we will come and revisit this. We're going to talk about some of the X-Men and the three names we have pulled out now. So if you're listening to this or in the chat room, you can start thinking about to be able to chime in when we do it. Charles Xavier... Magneto and Wolverine were the three things we had queued up. So please put those in the back of your head. Start thinking of some stuff in Suncast. If you want, you're welcome to send me what your picks were for that. (laughs) And I will happily present them on our next fantasy casting segment. I'll I'll probably do that. I I can't wait. Yeah, looking forward to it. (laughs) And you know what else I can't wait to do? Let's tell you guys about the Gunna Geek Network, where you can find a variety of shows streaming live all the time. You're probably watching this show on geeks.live right now. If you scroll down to the bottom of that page, there is a calendar of all of the live events we have upcoming. So please feel free to come check out some other live shows and tell them that the gonna geek show sent you. So uh, SP, anything you wanted to bring up this week? Anything you want to share with folks before we shut this thing down? Yes. Uh, in the past week, we have actually introduced a new podcast to the network. If you haven't had a chance to check out Play Comics, please go ahead and do so. They are new to the network. And Chris, not you, Chris, the Chris on Play Comics. I'm Steven. Yeah. Uh, uh, well, but you've trained us to, ta- That's true. to tell you, call you Chris. So Chris on Play Comics, he goes ahead and brings in somebody to talk about a comic-based video game, and it could be like a 20-year-old comic-based video game, whatever, and then the comics behind it, it's actually an interesting thing, and he has a lot of fun actually producing the shows, and I look forward to listening to the next episode. Well, there you go. Thank you, SP. And Suncast, you join us so often. You're like an unofficial part of the show, but we really do appreciate you coming and joining us. So why don't you tell us where people can find you on the internet and what all you've been getting into lately? Uh, So you can basically check out where I work, gfqnetwork.com. I produce a lot of shows over there. Uh, Right now we're doing a lot of uh, wrestling content because uh, yesterday was WrestleMania, which was just insane. Uh, I think it was Bret Hart got attacked when he went into the stands. That was insane. Yeah, at the Hall of Fame show. It was crazy. Yeah. So if you want to check out any of the uh, WrestleMania covers that we've got, it's over at gfqnetwork.com. Awesome. Well, again, thank you so much, John, for joining us. We always do love having you on the show. And I, for one, can't wait to get more of your fantasy casting picks in because (laughs) they make me chuckle. And really, I need some good chuckles in my life. Yeah, I just thought I'd have fun with it. We could send you a chuckle doll. No, that sounds creepy. (laughs) But on that note... It is time for us to start shutting this thing down. So once again, thank you so much for everyone joining us this week. I'm Chris Farrell saying I love John's fantasy picks. And I'm SP saying thanks for coming this week. We'll see you next week. I'm Suncast. Procrastination is the art of keeping up with yesterday. Bye.
Thanks for checking out another episode of the official gunageek.com show. If you like the show, please give us a five-star review in Apple Podcasts or a thumbs up on YouTube. You can always join us for our live recording sessions, which stream Mondays at 8.45 p.m. Eastern at www.geeks.live. And remember, you can find our full back catalog at gunageek.com forward slash show. If you're itching for more geeky content, check out other shows on gunageeknetwork.com. Voice work was by Emily Prokop of the Story Behind podcast. That's it for this episode. We hope to see you back again next week.